Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Dear Father, we thank You. God, we thank You for what You're doing here at Gateway Logan. Lord, we thank You for what You're doing right now at, as, as they gather together in Redlands. Lord, thank You for what they're doing as they gather together in Ormo, McKenzie and City. God, we thank You that, that we are in the midst of a move of God. Lord, we thank You that, that as we gather together, as we, we, we stand in Your presence and worship You. God, we thank You that Your Holy Spirit is at work here this morning. God, we look forward to what you are going to say in these moments that we, that we get to spend together. And Lord, we just, we welcome you in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way in these moments together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you a question. Are you ready? Are you ready? We've, we've been in this series called Story. And, and over the last couple of weeks, we've, we've had a range of different people come and sit on a couch just up here. And we've heard the stories about what God has done in normal, ordinary people's lives and how, how He's changed them and how He's grown them and what He's done. And I just felt, as I was praying last night over this morning, I just felt God saying, it's time to get ready. It's time to get ready in our lives. It's time to get ready as a campus. And I am so expectant and excited for what God is doing and what God is starting through this series. Certainly as we walk into Queensland, uh, into Queensland, into Christmas. (laughs) And Queensland, in Christmas. It's hot, all right? Uh, Hey, I remember when I was a little boy. I remember when I was a little boy, we used to play hide and seek with my older brother and sister. Now, for those of you that know, I've got a sister who's 10 years older than me and I've got a brother who's eight years older than me. So I was like the little kid in the family and we would play hide and seek. And and I remember this particular playing hide and seek, I I must have been probably about five years old and and we were playing hide and seek and I had been investigating or looking around the house going, you know what, where is some of the greatest places to go and hide? And I found this spot. Now, our house was, was split up into kind of two halves and dividing it was the hallway. And so on, the, on this side was kind of like was all the bedrooms and on this side was the bathrooms and the laundry and the kitchen and everything else. And, and running down the centre was the corridor or the hallway. And in the middle of the hallway, we had this cupboard door. And, as if, and we would often go in there to get a various different things because you would open the door and there was a shelf about kind of that high and sitting on top of it was, was where the, the hot water system was. And then underneath, it was kind of like just random, the leftover stuff that no one knew what to do with. Like there was, a, there was like a little short ladder, which my mum was short, so that was why it was a little short ladder. And, and, and then there was kind of just like all the mishmashes of the stuff that, you know that you know that cupboard or maybe it's a drawer in your kitchen that you kind of just, it's kind of like, where does it go? It goes in there. Well, we had a cupboard for that stuff. And, and, and I remember going in there and, and the other thing that was always in there was massive amounts of toilet rolls. And as a little kid, I always used to look in there and go, why is there so many rolls of toilet paper? Now I've got three kids and one wife. I've discovered why there are so many rolls of toilet paper in there. <laughs> and anyway, I remember this one particular day that, that I went, you know what? I, I was kind of looking. I was kind of figuring out where am I going to hide? And I went, you know what? I reckon I'm going to fit in that little cupboard. And so we kind of, you know, we did the rock, paper, scissors, who, would, who was going to hide? And, and, and I got to hide, my sister got to hide, my brother was coming to look. And I knew exactly 
I knew exactly where I was going to go. And you knew, you, you know exactly where I went. I ran down the hallway. I opened the cupboard door and I stepped in, kind of shoved everything out of the way. And I remember sitting in the corner, closing the door and then piling toilet paper rolls on my head because I figured, you know what? Surely he's not going to be able to see me with a whole lot of toilet paper rolls on my head. And so I remember, I remember sitting there in this room and then just quietly sitting. And then all of a sudden I could hear steps. I don't know why that did that, but, you know, the little steps is it's kind of going to walk in sound effects, you know, and, and, I, and I heard these little, these, these foots come running past the door, and I sat there quietly, and then a kind of minute or so later, they came running back down the other way, and then a minute or so later, they came running, and the more my brother ran past the front, the, the door of my cupboard, the bigger the smile got, and the, 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 the laughter increased, and I thought I was just quietly laughing to myself, thinking, I am a genius, people, like I've got, like no other human being will ever, like if there's going to be Olympic sport for like hide and seek, I was winning gold in that one, as a, I was excited, I got toilet paper mounted on my head, and and. And I thought I, was, I thought I was laughing myself rather quietly. But my brother had heard me laughing in the cupboard. And so all of a sudden, I heard something get, I heard something get shoved underneath the door and then a kick at the door. And I saw kind of like that much poking out the end. And I knew exactly what my scumbag brother had done. And now he's standing outside laughing as I'm kicking and yelling the door, actually, it was kind of more like this, kind of kicking and yelling at him to let me out of the room. It felt like probably about half an hour. Now, in reality, it was about two minutes, because as we all know, for little kids, you know, if we asked little kids after the service, hey, how long till Christmas? They would go, so long. If you asked a parent, how long till Christmas? It would go, so short, yeah? And so, and so I remember sitting there, what felt like half an hour was probably about, you know, two minutes. And then finally, finally, after a whole lot of yelling and a whole lot of kicking, my mum opened the door. See, I remember that feeling of being stuck in the darkness, I remember the feeling of sitting there trying to kick and all the light that I could see was kind of like, you know, the little crack that kind of comes underneath the door. That was the only light that I could see. I remember sitting there thinking, I don't know how or if I can ever get out of here. I, I remember, remember sitting there thinking, I'm trapped in the darkness and I can't get out and I'm stuck in the darkness with no way to escape. This morning, I suspect that every one of us at some point, at some time in our lives have all kind of been in that particular place where we've felt stuck in some form of darkness. And I'm probably not talking about you getting stuck in a cupboard with rolls of toilet paper in your head because your brother jammed a little chalk in the door and you can't escape. But I'm, what I'm talking about is the feelings in life where we feel like we're trapped and we're stuck. But this morning, I've got some good news for you. But before we get to the good news, uh, we've been in this series, uh, Carla talked about it. We've been in this series called Story. Uh, we're looking at a, at a book in the Bible called Psalm, or as I like to call it, Psalm. Because when I first became a Christian, I could never find the book of Psalms. And then someone pointed out that it starts with a P. And so I just called it Psalm. So we're looking, we've been in the book of the Bible called Psalms 107. Uh, and what we've been doing each week is getting a different person up here to share their story of what God's done in their lives. So we've been talking about the moments where we've got stuck. So I want to invite us to open up to, if you've got your Bible, you can read the screen behind me to verse 10. It says this, 
Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness. Prisoners suffered in iron chains because they'd rebelled against God's commands and despised the plan of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Let me pause there for a moment. I read that last verse, and for me, that is one of the saddest verses in the Bible, that there was no one to help. See, we aren't the only ones that are trapped. The nation of Israel, let me, let me add a little bit of context to what's going on. The nation of Israel had, had been in a war against the, the Babylonian Empire. And so, so they'd been in this war and they'd been trying to, to, trying to beat the Babylonians. But because, because the nation of Israel had decided that they didn't need their God, they were going to look for other gods and they were going to try and do this in their own strength. God took his hand a blessing off them and they began to lose against the Babylonians to the point where they lost totally. And they were captured and and they were imprisoned by the Babylonian Empire in their jails. And they were, they were chained to walls in dark room, dark and dingy rooms. And they did it because they had turned their back on God. And they'd gone in search for other gods. And because of their sin, God allowed them to be captives. God allowed them to be imprisoned in dark places. They were stuck kind of like I was stuck in a cupboard with a door wedge of life stuck and jammed underneath the doors. There was no way to escape. There was no hope and there was no chance of being able to get out of it. And there was no light. But not all captives are found in prisons. Not all captives are found in prison walls with concrete walls around them and a door with, with iron bars in, placed into the door. But for some of us, the traps and, and the, the strongholds that we might find ourselves in, the, the things that we're trapped in sometimes are in the areas of addictions or, or the traps that we found ourselves in are in the area of oppression or, or depression or, or maybe it's the, 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 the trap of anxiety. We, we're trapped in regards to, to our regrets of our past or we're trapped in our financial situations or we're trapped in our, in our relationships, we're trapped in our loneliness or we're trapped in how we compare ourselves to other people around us and constantly lose. But God wants to speak into our lives this morning. You know, at church, I don't know about you, but I love the fact that we believe in a God through His Spirit wants to minister to us and wants to speak to us no matter where we're from, what background we're from, what age we're in or anything else. And that God wants to speak to us this morning. But see, we find here a picture that the writer is painting of God's people. And they more or less do it to themselves. They got to the point of going, you know, we don't need God. We don't need His opinions. We don't need His guidance. We don't need His help because we've got armor and we've got shields and we're pretty good. And so they turn their back on their God and they rebel against Him. And they say, you know what, God, we can do it our own way because we're really awesome. And you just need to realize that we're really awesome. And that's how it's going to all pan out. And yet these verses that we read together paint an incredibly bleak picture. Here we find ourselves a nation who were, who were amazing, who thought of themselves all as it and a bit. And now they find themselves sitting in deep, dark dungeons with chains and under the shadows of death. And their situation seems rather difficult. In fact, it, it seems more than just rather difficult. It seems impossible 
it seems helpless, and it seems hopeless. But it's into this that we see God bring good news. The good news that God wants to say to you this morning is simply this. God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. So we're going to jump back into verse 13, and it says this. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of their darkness, their utter darkness. He broke away their chains. Let's give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for all mankind. For he breaks down the gates of bronze and guts, cuts through the, bra- the, the bars of iron. So I want to say to you this morning, simply this, that you were trapped in darkness, but now you're free to shine your light. Who remembers the song, This Little Light of Mine? All right, we don't, I need crowd participation. It's a risky move. It's kind of the most nervous part of my sermon is this moment where I'm going to ask us all to sing together. <laughs> Otherwise, you get to see a me sing. And that's a bad, bad Sunday. So we're going to sing the song, This Little Light of Mine. Ready? On three. One. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Well done. I know there's more to the song, but that's all I could remember, all right? See, we all love good news stories, don't we? You know, every one of us have seen the news, read the newspapers, heard the reports on the radio about what's happening around our nation this week. We've heard about the tragic loss of life and the tragic loss of everyone's possessions through the, the fires that are ripping through New South Wales and Queensland, even as we speak. The moment this morning where we stopped and we pray for God's intervention. But you know what I love? I love this week as I've been hearing some of these, these horrific reports and the catastrophic things that are happening around, around our nation. And yet I heard in the midst of it just little story after little story of good news things, of, of people's lives and people's, uh, people's um, houses and properties being saved through the amazing work of volunteers and the firefighters. And I love those moments that even in incredible tragedy and loss and, and so much going on, I love to hear the little good news stories that are able to pop up. And I wanna say to you this morning, that no matter how stuck you feel, no matter how hard the chalk of life seems to be jammed underneath the door of your life, that Jesus always provides a way out. That He's always there to bring light into dark places. If you notice as we read those few verses this morning, do you notice as we read them this morning that 
that it was actually the people that turned away from God. It was the moments where they turned away from God and said, you know what, God, we don't need you anymore. We're good enough and talented enough and good looking enough and whatever else enough. And we don't need you anymore. It was them that turned away from God, not God that turned away from them. And yet I love the fact that our God is good enough not to write them off. See, he could have said, because I would have said this one, if I was God, we all thank God that I'm not God. Is that, that, that he could have said to them and said, you know what, I've, I'm sorry, but I've given you a chance and you've blown it again. In fact, I didn't just give you one chance, I give you 723 chances and you've blown every single one of the chances and you're probably gonna blow the other chances they're gonna give you and that's enough, it's done and it's over and it's fit. But that's not what we find God doing. See, Israel finally comes to common sense. And they cry out to God in the midst of the trouble. And God sets them free. And he responds by releasing them and and delivering them from the captivity to sing this song, this little light of mine. And I don't know where you are this morning, but I sense this morning that, that... You've either spoken these words over your life or someone else has spoken these words over your life that have said, you know what, you're a write-off. That you could never amount to anything because of your past, because of your future, because of whatever it might be that you're going through. But Jesus will never, ever, ever, ever write you off. See, that's not how God operates. But see, we have the similar problem to the nation of Israel. We have the same problem as them, as, as a, we sometimes, and we, we have a tendency to turn our back on God and say, God, I've got this one. And, and you know what, God, I don't need you anymore. And we've got to understand that, that our God is a gentleman. He's a gentleman that won't, he won't push himself on you. He's a gentleman who, who will listen to you. And if we say, hey, you know what, I don't need you and I don't want you then he will regretfully but humbly listen to your prayers. The church, we've got to understand that when we do those and we say those things, that we will pay the price for rejecting him. But this is where the good news is. God has unfailing love and he will always leave the door wide open for you and for me to enter him and enter into his presence without being rejected. I love Romans chapter 8. It says this, Can anyone ever separate us from the love of God? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we're in trouble or calamity or, or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened or, with, or threatened with death? No, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved who? us. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us. See, God can and will release us from the bondage of our sin and the power of the sin if we let him. And we're not going to be met with a God who's going to stand there going, I told you so. But we're going to be met by the open arms of a father who loves his children. 
See, we've got to understand that, that you were trapped in darkness. I was trapped in darkness. Each one of us were trapped in darkness. But now we're free to shine our light. This morning, we're going to hear from a, a courageous young man, Sean. We're going to hear his story about what God has done in and through his life. So, Sean, my desire. As I make noise on the floor, and <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Is it you? No, it's not you. It's not me. It's that bit of the floor. Hey, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, my name is uh, Sean Redfern. I'm 31. Uh, I am a, a support worker for Communify Queensland, and every week I get to help older people with various things to help them live at home. Uh, I don't like sport forgive you. Thanks. <laughs> but I love, writing po I love writing poetry and doing spoken word. Uh, I've been coming to Gateway Logan for about eight months. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, mate, can you tell us a little bit of your story about what life has been like you, or for you? I uh, sure can. Uh, life growing up was truly amazing. Uh, up to the start of high school, I was a funny guy making jokes and making people laugh was my thing. I think everyone has a thing. <laughs> I, love, I loved watching people live life and being comfortable in their skin. Um, but unfortunately, unfortunately, I started struggling with my self-esteem maybe when I was like 12 or 13 years old. And I started to think that maybe I wasn't as important I started to think that maybe I wasn't as important or valued as I thought I was. Lack of faith in my self-worth led to depression. And the only way I can describe it, a dark cloud that lingered over the person I wanted to be. I was trapped in a dark place for many years. My dark place began in school. Just trying to remember what I was up to. <laughs> My dark place began in school when I started getting bullied. I remember coming to school in fear for about four, four and a half years before leaving at the start of grade 11. During that time, I saw myself changing from a fun-loving guy. I saw myself changing from a fun-loving guy to someone who had no self-esteem, someone who pretty much hated people mainly because I hated myself. My dark place began to get darker. The bigger the bullying, the darker it got. Depression and suicidal thoughts. <clears throat> I, planned to, I planned two times to take my own life with no follow-through because as much as I hated having to wake up and live whatever life I had, I knew... I had to wake up and live whatever life I had. I knew the people who would miss me, who would miss me. I'd see their faces and their tremendous, and their tremendous grief I would have caused. <clears throat> then my self-worth took a significant dive, nosedive, as I started struggling with pornography. It was, either, uh, it was eating away everything I started getting my hands on. Self-esteem started corroding. I was no longer confident. And whatever self-worth I had was gone. 
I felt like a prisoner who had finished his sentence, but instead of walking out the prison cell, I believed I, I believed that I had nothing else of me to love. <coughs> it was hard to live free because I felt like the free. I, sorry. It was hard to live free because I felt like freedom was for those who knew they were worth something, not people like me who thought they were garbage. The depression, the depression got worse over time, and because it was seasonal, so I'd go, I'd go weeks, sometimes even months. Just start turning the page. <laughs> months feeling awesome, but because I didn't even know what a trigger even meant, I had no idea what, si what signs to look out for. So back in the pit of darkness and depression, I fell. Nothing, nothing seemed, nothing I seemed to do could change it. The darkness grew darker, and the wounds grew deeper. To the point that I thought no one would ever accept me, let alone love me. I was trapped in my darkness, trapped in my addiction to pornography and various other things. So no, um, and I saw no way out. I felt broken. Isolated and confused, yet I could never escape what was hurting me. The deep wounds that I felt, I had, I felt like would never heal. I would be reminded of my mistakes rather than any purpose for my life. <coughs> Depre the, uh, my depression caused me to isolate myself and never go out. I'd stay home and refuse to go anywhere. And anytime someone told me I had something to live for, I'd curse them out, swear, or threaten them. I was so marred by my addiction that I couldn't see my own worth. We weren't, we weren't raised in a Christian home, but we, we had cousins who, were, who attended the Salvation Army, and they occasionally, they occasionally talked about God and his love for us. That planted a seed in me that took years to grow. Um, but looking back, I can say with all the confidence I can muster, God hadn't abandoned me because I had. God hadn't abandoned me um, because I had depression or struggled with self-worth. I didn't have a personal relationship with Him during that time, but for some reason I knew He was with me, even if I wasn't with Him. Sean, thanks for taking the courage to share that. Uh, your incredible story. So. You can walk us through the next season. So you, you wrestled through all of these things. You went through all of these things through school and coming out of school. You had some people in your life that, that had a faith. What happened to you? What happened next? I got stuff written down here. Um, but basically, my sister was praying for me and her partner was inviting me to church a lot. But I was just like, pretty sure God can't change my life no matter how many times you tell him that he loves me. Well, that is good. Um, but anyway, um, in 2009, I was at church and I was just sitting there during the service and I knew it was my moment. They gave, they gave everyone an opportunity to say yes to Jesus and I did. I'd been neglecting my self-worth and constantly cutting myself down for years. So I cried out to God and asked him to forgive me for the way I was treating myself and other people, to give me a new life and help me with my struggles I realized I'd tried everything I could and nothing ever worked. I tried in my own strength to make myself feel better, but I knew that only God could set me free. It wasn't easy, but the darkness began to lift. He removed some of the things that, kept, that I kept holding on to, even though they were causing me grief. 
He took the lie that the bullies in school and I used to tell myself I could never be loved or accepted and, and the lies that helped me in my addictions to pornography. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit was with me was with me though, when I failed and when I fell, he was my friend. Even in the midst of feeling so dirty, unwanted and unlovable, he reached out to me. Admittedly, some days I still feel like I'm not good enough or worthy of his love. But he's always but he always reminds me that Jesus doesn't that he doesn't want me to be perfect, he just wants me to be present. I'm not perfect, just forgiven. I realized through my journey that perfection isolates us from the cross, but being present changes our perspective of the, of the circumstance because secrets don't heal wounds. They have to be brought into the light so that God can begin to heal them. And I'd also just like to say, don't take 10 years of your life to finally get to a place where you accept that God sees you and loves you right here, right now, just as you are. But he loves you, but he also loves you too much to leave you as you are. That's amazing. Hey, um, how's Jesus helped you through all of this? Um, so first of all, I apologize for not looking at anyone and just, yeah, getting through the nerves and trying not to cry. Um, so yeah, how did Jesus get me through it all? I guess um, my, story, my story is that my addictions and mental health took away my self-worth, slowly chipping away at the person God knew I could be. My testimony, isn't, my testimony isn't that God came through in the end. It's that God was with me in every moment, even when it was dark. It was his faithfulness, love, and patience that helped me walk away from my, own, my old life of addictions and struggle with self-worth. Because God was patient, he was, also, he was always present. God showed me that grace could heal my wounds. He helped me by changing what I believed about myself and he set me free by redirecting certain thoughts that would try to change what was true. He reminded me that I was his son and he was my father, my friend, and someone who would never leave me. Incredible wisdom. That's awesome. Hey, what would you say to anyone going through some of the things that you've been through in your life? Um, I just, uh, I say the first part with love. <laughs> Um, but if you feel like your junk makes you unworthy of God's love, can I desperately encourage you that you're wrong? God loves you. God sees you. He has always been with you through the pain and in your celebrations. God loves you and he will never abandon you. And um, in Romans 5.8, it says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, not perfect, Christ died for us. And I'd just also like to say, lastly, I love that God is the initiator. He's the one that, dem he's the one that demonstrated His love and that He didn't wait for me to sort, out, to sort my junk out or stop me... Oh, sorry. Or stop my struggle with addictions. But while I was a sinner in the middle of it all, God made a way for me to step into the light out of my darkness. Sean. Mate, you've been through a lot. And on behalf of all of your family here, 
mate, we want to know, we want you to know that we accept you, and that we love you, that we're proud of you, and that God's not finished. Church, why don't we just pray for Sean? Dearly Father, we thank you for Sean. God, thank you for his story. God, his story of a real life God who met him in the midst of his pain. God, a real life God who met him in the middle of his challenges. God, we thank you that you love him, but you love him enough not to just leave him where he is or where he was. God, we thank you that who he was is not who he is today. God, that you have made him a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. God, we thank you that what will echo in his ears is not that he's a failure or not, that he was addicted or not, any of those things. But what will echo in his ears is your grace. That he is deeply loved and valued by you. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't we give Sean a hand? The courage of a young man to stand up in front of all of us and be that vulnerable to share his story. A story of a young man who was, who was trapped, who was trapped and he's stuck in his darkness who in a sense was tracked and stuck in his own cupboard, not knowing how to get out. I remember being in some of the places where Sean has been, making some of the same mistakes as Sean has made. Talking with Sean over the last couple of weeks, you know, his, his deepest cry has been that he just was longing and looking for light somewhere and somehow. Now Sean has the light. And now Sean sat up here and shone his light so powerfully and strongly. See, Sean needed a light to pierce through his darkness, to realize that he is accepted, that he is loved, that he is valued, because that's who God made him to be. Church, that this morning we're going to sing a song together called No Longer Slaves. It's a declaration of who we are. That no matter what you've been through or no matter what you've done, that we no longer have to be slaves to depression or pornography or, or whatever other addiction or whatever challenges that you face. And that we are no longer slaves to those things, but we're free to shine our light. So what I want us to do is, is an act of response this morning. We're going to stand and we're going to pull our phones out. And on the back of your phone, no doubt like on the back of my phone, is a little light. And you've all been to a, a concert or somewhere along the line and you've seen somewhere at some point, you know, they sing a song and everyone kind of does this. You know what we're going to do? We're going to shine our lights this morning. 
We're going to declare with our voices that we are no longer slaves. And we're going to shine our lights together. So will you not grab your phone out with me? If you don't have a light on that side, you've probably got a big screen on that side, whichever way works for you. And why don't we shine our lights together in our hands and declare with our voices that we are no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves to the things that have held us captive. So come on, church, let's stand with us this morning. Grab your phone out. Let's sing together and declare together. Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world.